Welcome to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. I'm your host, Amy from Amy Natalie Co., spiritual teacher, mindset coach, and speaker. I'm here to remind you how to tap into your feminine frequency to elevate your relationships, attract more money, and feel confident in your body. Each week, I'll be sharing wisdom from guest experts and guided meditations, along with my favorite spiritual mindset techniques so that you can access abundance, love, and manifest a life that is in alignment with your soul's true desires. Let's do this, sister. Hello and welcome back to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. I am grateful to have you here with me today. Thank you for pressing play. Wow, what a week it's been with everything going on with the elections and the full moon energy and the change in time change. You know, there's so many things that are shifting right now and lots of energy moving. So I want you to know if you're feeling scattered or ungrounded or just like untethered in any way that you're not alone and that you are going to get through this. (laughs) So I know for myself, I felt more affected by the full moon last weekend than I did, did and than I do by the elections right now. And I think a big reason for that, specifically around the elections, is where I choose to place my energy and my attention. And that's something that I really want to share with you today, that even when there's a lot going on outside of you, we like focusing on the things that you can control versus the things that you can't control is going to be of your benefit. So while yes, it's important to stay in tune with what's going on in the world, it's also important to get in touch with yourself first. So one of my favorite things that I've learned from Rebecca Campbell, who is a spiritual teacher and an author, Um, She shared that before you turn on the news, before you tune in and plug into other people's frequencies and energies, take the time to connect with yourself. Take the time to get grounded and centered and connect with yourself before you get caught up in other people's energies. And for me, it's really about my morning practices and getting out into nature and finding ways to stay grounded and not be overly saturated with the chaos that's going on in the world. So that's something that I wanted to share with you all today because we do have a choice and it is our responsibility to protect our energetic field, to protect what we allow in to our space. And that is something that I think is really important to be aware of at this point in time. So um, with that said, I want to take a moment to celebrate everyone, all of the listeners who joined for the Confident Woman series. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you who participated over in the Confidence Collective Facebook group and who watched all the interviews and downloaded the free gifts and shared about your breakaways. And one of my favorite things is to really share knowledge and wisdom and value with my community. And so I'm really grateful for those of you who just joined me for that. And if you're new to my community, then I'm inviting you to come on over into my private Facebook group, the Confidence Collective, which you can find the link for that in the show notes for today. 
And I'm also going to be hosting a two hour free workshop this Sunday called Activate Your Money Codes. I'm gonna share really briefly about it before we drop in for our interview today with Molly Joseph. So Activate Your Money Codes came to me because it's something that I've been working on in my own life for the last two years really diligently and really shifting my relationship with money, being able to cultivate an abundance mindset, to be able to shift my energy, to be able to receive more money. And that's what I'm going to be teaching in Activate Your Money Codes. So part of this experience on Sunday is going to be really me teaching you the tools and the mindset shifts and reframes, as well as the practical tools of how you can feel more empowered with money. And then I'm also going to be providing an energetic activation to support you in shifting into the energy and the frequency of abundance and money. So it's going to be a really interactive, beautiful experience. It's specifically for women who are business owners, coaches, entrepreneurs, CEOs, women who are really ready to take their financial wellness to the next level and primarily really feel more confident in this area of your life because I believe that every woman is worthy of experiencing a lifestyle that lights them up, that brings them joy, and we need money in order to do that. And we get to make that money from a place of sharing your soul gifts or sharing your authentic self with the world. So if you'd like to join me for Activate Your Money Codes this Sunday, you can click on the link in the show notes, or you can go to my Instagram bio, which is at Amy Natalie Co. Come on over and follow me and click the link there. It's amynatalieco.com slash money codes if you'd like to go directly to the link. So today we have my amazing guest, Molly Joseph, who was actually my first coach. I had worked with a lot of therapists and um, had a lot of support in that realm before, but when I was going through a really tough time, I believe it was like five years ago, maybe even more than that. I think it was more than that when I first started working with Molly and it was like the perfect teacher during that time in my life and we've become good friends since then. So I'm going to share a little bit about Molly's story and her background and then we'll dive into the interview. So Molly Joseph is a woman on a mission to help awaken people to their own power. At age 22, Molly was given a devastating dual diagnosis of chronic autoimmune Lyme disease and thyroid cancer. After two years of seeing hardly any results from conventional treatment, Molly was on her deathbed. As a very last resort, she consented to seeing a holistic practitioner recommended by a friend. And within six months of beginning these alternative methodologies, Molly made a full recovery. This miraculous experience started Molly's quest to pay for the gift that saved her life, cutting edge information in the realms of personal development, epigenetics, quantum physics, and psychology. So Molly now lives in LA. She is an incredible mindset coach, manifestation coach. She has an amazing YouTube channel and she has been working with private clients since 2016 and has a BA in writing from the University of Michigan. Her writing is phenomenal. Definitely make sure to check her out on Instagram too. And she's currently working towards a graduate degree studying psychology and consciousness. 
at Pacific Graduate Institute in Santa Barbara. So outside of what her journey has been, which speaks enough for itself um, and how Molly shows up in the world, she is just such a powerful um, brilliant. Uh, as you'll see, I love her vocabulary and the way that she thinks. And she really is using cutting edge methodologies to transform lives. So you guys are going to love this one. This conversation was super fun and juicy and valuable. So enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to my dear friend, mentor, so soul sister, Molly. Thank you so much for being here on the Feminine Frequency. We made it. We're here. Woohoo! We finally did it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We tried to record this like maybe a couple months back and uh, Molly was in Tulum and we had some really fun internet glitches. And I also think it's always all perfect because yep. we're here now. Yeah, I wonder, it's interesting what we're going to talk about today that is going to be so much more different and maybe even more impactful than what we would have spoken about back then. It's like, there's a reason we kept getting postponed. I think we tried twice even. <laughs> yep, we did. So I'm and really this is grateful. a huge piece of uh, really about the, the surrender and the non-attachment that is such an ongoing practice and... I, I teach, I taught, was teaching in my group the other night and I'm wanting to host a retreat in January and it feels really inspiring and good. And then there's like a couple things that have been coming up and I was just like, Hey, if it happens, like hell yes. And if it doesn't like that's okay too. And in being in this deep practice of like surrendering to whatever is meant to happen. And I just feel like that's such a that's not how I used to be. <laughs> Girl, right. me neither. And let me just tell you that I think that learning to surrender and to let go has been, I mean, this keeps coming up for me in my own life again and again and again. But I would say it's one of the top five shifts that I've made that have culminated in me being in love with my life versus getting through my life because the universe and our souls have so they can see the whole picture, right? And they have so much more information about how to get us from where we are now to where we want to go than our little human mind ever could. And it takes so much, like it is not easy. It is actually completely in contrast and contradictory to the way we're raised, you know, which is like pick a goal and go after it tirelessly until you get it. And to have that sensitivity to when things just aren't moving, not that your retreat isn't moving, your retreat feels like it's moving very much, but do you know what I mean? Like just to be able to have a light hand with it and not be clenching it, white knuckling it so the flow can't continue. I mean, brava on making that shift. It's not easy. Mm, thank you. And I absolutely love the way that you talk about like really creating your life in a way that feels like it's thriving. And I know that you've had your own personal journey with it, but I really do see this with so many women and people. This is how we're conditioned as humans to think that there's one way to live life. There's all these markers of success. We need to do it in this way. And if we're not doing it in that way, then we're failing or we're not doing it right. And if we are doing it that way, it still doesn't feel fulfilling and exciting and good. So I think it, it's important to speak to that and really hear, I love the way that you describe, um, you know, the path of, of 
of deviating from like the mold or just following like sheep. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's really powerful when you, when you explain it. Yeah. I mean, there is this X, Y, and Z formula for success that Western culture gives us. It's, you know, work hard is laced throughout the whole thing. So it begins with work hard in school, go to college, work hard in college, get a good job, make a bunch of money, work harder, get a promotion, hopefully meet a spouse while you're at it and have kids and try to stay afloat through that experience, then work harder. And then when you retire, you can finally enjoy your life for that last little stretch before you die. And it's funny, this ties right into with what we were talking about just before we got on um, the tape, which is like, you know, we are living in a, a culture that needs us to be both workers and consumers. Any capitalist society depends on those two elements. And what they're after is production and money. They're not after happiness. So this formula, this X, Y, and Z formula is not with the human spirit in mind. What it has in mind is its own preservation. This is what people, you know, in the 90s and 80s were talking about in rock songs when they were talking about the man. You know what I mean? It's like, the man, fuck the man. It's like, the man, can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? Mm-hmm. You can curse. <laughs> this is, yes. <laughs> the man um, represents, you know, it's just an archetype, but it represents this driving force in Western society that has no interest in the human spirit. And again, only interest in self-preservation. And we see that reflected in the way we raise our kids. We tell them to sit still and be quiet and do what they're told, right? We don't tell them to come up with creative original ideas. In school, we're taught to memorize and literally regurgitate other people's ideas. And we get graded on how well we can be subservient little regurgitators. Mm -hmm. And then as adults, we're told we're not good enough So we have to buy a bunch of crap to improve ourselves or else we'll never be loved. We'll never be successful. And the truth is that even after you do all that, and like, I can, I'm not above this. I've lived that for so long. Even when you do all that and you have all the things, you're still not happy because again, the system has nothing to do with happiness. So I think when we can rewrite our internal programming to make success equal to how much peace, happiness, joy, and well-being we feel on a daily basis, then we actually set ourselves up for what it is to be a thriving, successful human being. Mm, thank you for breaking that down. And one of the parts that really stood out for me was, you know, this this idea of sitting in school and being a good girl and 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 not moving and all of that. And I think were you diagnosed with ADHD too? Yep. I, yeah, yeah. I thought you? that was part of your story. I was, and now looking back, I know that it was actually a deeper belief around not being smart enough that drove mm. it. And I was only diagnosed with ADHD when I was, um, I would say at the end of high school, beginning of college. And I had developed this belief that I didn't know how to study or I didn't know how to learn. And it's because we're not meant to actually learn that way. We're not meant to just re- like read all this shit and memorize it and then put it on a test, right? I, I have a lot of emotional intelligence. I was very sensitive at the time. Like, yes, girl, you're brilliant. So different ways to learn. And, and I know that I didn't have ADHD and I'm not saying it's not a thing and that it doesn't exist. I think that we actually train our, our society and we were going to talk about social media trains our brains to be monkey brains, to be all over the place, to not be able to focus. So we're like actually programmed to be all over the place. Right. So it's no wonder that kids who are like stuck in a classroom, not like being told to sit still, not getting their energy out are can't pay attention. Like 
Duh. Duh. Duh to that. And you're so, so right. So you and I are super emotionally intelligent. We probably also have a, I'm artistically intelligent and you're creatively intelligent. And we have lots of different sorts of intelligence, but the one that is the golden standard for which the DSM, you know, the diagnostic manual that psychologists use to determine whether or not you have a learning disorder, it's all based against the paradigm of wanting us to be good little workers. So we grow up to be productive parts of society. So if you actually don't learn in a way that's going to culminate in you being a cog in that wheel of that machine, they'll say there's something wrong with you. And then they'll give you medication so that you can become a better cog in the wheel of that machine. And I'm not saying, like you just said, it's not that um, learning disorders don't exist. They absolutely exist. And I'll, I'll be honest, when I was diagnosed with ADD and I started taking Adderall, my self-esteem, I mean, this drug did amazing things for me at the beginning because I could finally read as fast as everyone else. I could finally get the work done that I needed to get done. And I stopped feeling, like you said, incompetent or stupid in some way. And that was a tremendous, amazing moment in my life. And I'm so grateful for that. But in the end, it actually dulled down what I am a genius in and took me away from what the the path is that I'm really meant to be walking. And this is all again to the, to the same end as the X, Y, and Z system. It's like whoever is an aberration from what we need in order for capitalism to thrive, we try to either cut them down or conform them in whatever way and homogenize them in whatever way we can. And again, this is the culture that we're living in right now that is currently falling the fuck apart because it doesn't work because it is killing our planet. This level of um, colonialism, this level of patriarchal thinking, this domineering way of we're going to make everyone our way or they're out is, you know, creating a monster that no one could have really foreseen. I don't think the people, nobody's to blame for the way society is not one person. We were all just indoctrinated into the same cycle. But I mean, if you look at our world right now, it's clearly time for a change because this just does not work. Mm-hmm. We just watched this documentary um, about like, by, I think it's David Attenborough. Is that who it is? He yeah. Just, yeah. And just like really taking a look at even just our what's going on globally in with nature and how we've just like, because of consumerism and because of the way that we've been so committed to and, and so devoted to capitalism and success and money and all of that, that like we've literally stripped this earth of its natural resources. And it's so eye-opening and so important. And I highly recommend it. I'll drop it in the show notes. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but really, really powerful. And, um, Yeah, I think this brings us also to this conversation of perfectionism. Like if you're not operating in a certain way, if you're not part of the system, if you're not wanting to be this cog, if you want to be different, um, then you feel like you're going to be judged. You feel like you're doing something wrong. You feel like you're going to be outcast, right? And, And we're just constantly, because the ego doesn't want us to be alone and separate and feel lonely and feel rejected, we just keep being those cogs in the machine. So like, you know, let's talk a little bit about perfectionism. Like where does that come from? And what do you feel right now is present in the collective around this, this, I would say like it's a virus. It's like a, it's like a little, um, yeah, it (laughs) It is a virus in the OS of our culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, perfectionism comes from 
um, basically if you were raised in a house where you were berated for not being enough, just the way that you were, you would quickly have learned that if you're hypervigilant, perfectionism is just another form of hypervigilance, that if you're hypervigilant, if you stay on the alert, if you do things really well with a lot of excellence, those frowns turn upside down. So instead of getting scolded and your parents being ashamed of you, they start patting you on the back and approving. And then you get the message that that's the way to be a successful human being. And it carries over into your life and what you believe you will perceive. So, I mean, I am an absolute recovering perfectionist because when I was a kid, um, I was shamed for being myself, which was like this whimsical, dreamy, imaginative, artsy, little sensitive child. And that doesn't fit in well to this cultural thing that we're talking about. Because and your parents mean, were like scientists, right? My so parents being are this both, whimsical my being. Both, my parents are both <laughs> psychologists, which is insane. And it's funny there, I wouldn't say people are like, oh man, your parents are psychologists. They must be real crap psychologists. And the truth is, I don't think that's true. I think they had their own triggers around um, seeing a, a little child who they thought, oh God, if she doesn't get it together, she might not be a successful member of society. They were brainwashed by the same programming we were. So they just wanted what was best for me. And so them, you know, me, I remember you know, leaving my backpack at school or leaving the lights on in my room when I would leave it. And my mom being like, turn the light, you know, I would get in a lot of trouble. So I learned because it wasn't natural for me to clean up every time I left an area. Cause I was just a little, you know, I'm, I have two, I'm a double air sign. It's like, if I see something shiny, I go to the shiny thing. And I had to learn <laughs> to always be in my head, right. To always be thinking about what, what could I be doing better to preempt any sort of negative feedback from them. So I would bet if you're a perfectionist and you're listening to this, that you had some level of that. It might not have been with your parents. It might've been in school. It might've even been, you might be a perfectionist, not around academics, but you might be one socially where you learned that if you watch what you say, if you're really self-conscious, that things go better for you. We're all perfectionists in different ways. And this, you know, um, level of it's kind of, it's basically self-betrayal. It's like you take on this idea that you're not good enough as you are. So you have to work really hard to be excellent is another tactic of us being really well groomed, um, highly functional parts of this consumer society. And when we're not being that, we actually feel down and out and bad about ourselves. Like I just did this interesting, I'm working right now with um, ketamine as uh, in a clinical setting for PTSD. I'm a, for those of you who don't know, I'm a cancer survivor and an abuse survivor. And I refer people all the time to get uh, ketamine working with doctors. And I'd never done it myself. So I was like, let me just try it out and see how it goes. And as I'm doing this, I am realizing, um, gosh, how much control I'm continuing to need to exert over my environment. So I never feel the feeling of being unproductive or lazy. But what I was gonna say actually about it is that when you go, they, they give you this survey to, to see if you're depressed. And I actually am, I'm not depressed at all, but it was so interesting to see how they qualify depression in the survey. It's like feeling unmotivated, 
not being productive, not accomplishing all the tasks on your to-do list. And I'm like, whoa, we literally tell people who are not like fitting into the mold that they have a clinical mental disorder. Like that's real interesting. Mm, I want to speak into this so much. This has definitely been coming up this week for me. And um, as in the last few months, I've completely come off antidepressants and really have made a huge transformational shift in my life. And I've been noticing like, you know, these ideas that when we have these lows, that there's something wrong with us, mm-hmm. right? That there's something <laughs> yeah. wrong with not feeling happy or something wrong with being in the depths of our emotions. And that that idea and belief that there's something wrong with me is actually what I believe keeps us stuck in those spaces for much longer than we need to be. And yep. it's, it's, it's interesting. And it's a very, I mean, I've worked recently with um, a client who has bipolar and, and we've really worked on this. What is the identity? Like how much attachment to the identity of her mental health condition is actually what's creating a lot of the fear around the mental health condition. So whenever you feel a tiny bit sad or a tiny bit anxious that it then perpetuates to be like, Oh my God, like I, I can't be a functioning member of society. If I stay like this, if I'm like this forever, which is what the mind tells you when you're in those spaces, like I'm always going to be like this. Then from there, we convince ourselves that we're going to be like that. And it creates more anxiety and more depression. And, and we create the reality that we're not functioning human beings. Right. So fully. Yeah. I mean, that's it right there. Like the resistance to it, like the resistance to having this or doing that creates more of it. Anything we resist persists. And since we're in a culture that makes stigmatizes anything that's not happy, happy, joy, joy, of course, people are in tremendous resistance when they're not just feeling good and being successful and output and outputting and creating it's, um, yeah, it's that in itself, I think is a mind disease that culture has, has stuck us with, um, you know, the idea of, I am something like when I just read this book on habits and he says, if you want to change a habit, a bad habit, you have to change the words I am around it. So like, let's say you're trying to quit smoking. Have you read this book too? No, it's so good. Okay. I'll, I'll come up with the name and I'll send it to you. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but he says, if you think I'm a smoker, then it's like, you can't break that habit until you start, stop um, calling yourself that because you, whatever you believe, you will seek evidence for in the reality around you. And that is, I mean, it's, this is the way the mind works. And this is like my area of most geekdom. <laughs> because It's so cool. You, we have this part of our brain called the reticular activating system. And it, what it does is it sifts and sorts our reality according to what we already know. So if you believe it, you will see it. And that's the opposite of what this culture teaches us. It teaches us that when we see it, we'll believe it. That's what Newtonian materialism is. It's like when you see something under a microscope, then you can make a conclusion scientifically. But actually quantum physics, epigenetics, neuroscience is all proving that it's the opposite way. When we believe that we are something, we will continue to attract evidence of it. We will actually sift. There's so many bites of information that we're in, in when you walk into a room, right? There's the conversation going on on the left. There's a conversation going on on the right. Whoever's in the room is talking. Then there's the air conditioning you could choose to feel. Then it's the ground underneath your feet. There's so many moments that we can actually only take in 
a very small percentage of what's happening. And that reticular activating system will make sure that the only things you pick up on are things you already believe and know. Have you ever, have you ever been about to buy a car, a new car, and you start seeing that car everywhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm super familiar with particular activating system. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's so fucking fascinating because I mean, it really explains, I think a great majority of the human experience. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. And if you know that what you believe you will find, then you are empowered to change what you believe so that your reality starts improving. Mm. Yeah. I love the way that you really go into like the programming of the mindset. That's one of my favorite things about your work. And, um, I actually worked with Molly was my first spiritual coach back five plus years ago. I don't even know (laughs) when that was. Um, and I really loved one of the exercises that we did. And I think you actually have this as a gift on your website, um, is like doing this visioning exercise where you actually like are able to like see your future self before it actually is happening. Right. And it is, it's such a powerful, um, understanding of how much our beliefs influence our reality and what's going on around us. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, that session, I used to do it as a first session and it was um, actually quite pricey. And now I've just given it away because I'm like, a lot of people can't afford this. And this is so life-changing that everybody deserves it. And it's getting insane amounts of downloads, which is so cool. And also so exciting because I know that whoever does that that experience. It's not just a, it's a meditation, but they talk out loud the way you did when we were in person. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it re- rewires your brain to seek out something different. And, you know, I think people don't know how to know what their beliefs are. And I always say that if you want to know what your beliefs are, just look around your life, the areas where you're seeing awesomeness. Like if you're crushing it at your job, you have positive beliefs about yourself in that line of work. And if you have areas of trouble, let's say relationship, you have limiting beliefs about yourself and about relationship and about how relationships work. And it's as easy as that. There's no people, you know, these coaches on the internet, they'll take you through these elaborate ways of digging for belief systems. And I'm like, oh no, it's so easy. It's so much more easy than that. And then you see those beliefs and you see the way that your whole life you've been creating them. Like, you know, if you were five and Jimmy, what's his face told you in gym class that nobody liked you, (laughs) you probably went on to for many years, find yourself in situations where people weren't kind to you and talked behind your back. And you really felt that affirmed, which then strengthens that neural pathway until it just becomes reality. And when you realize that it's a bunch of BS, it was just something that a kid in grade school said to you, then you're free from it to, and you can actually implement some new software, which is that, you know, I, I take people on an incremental journey, you know, cause we did it together. Um, you don't jump from people don't like me to people love me and I'm super popular. You jump from people don't like me to I'm feeling accepted in my life now. And then you start, you know, you start garnering or gleaning, or I'm using this in the right word. You start accumulating evidence of that. And then that gets strengthened. And I have clients actually keep lists of, and I think, I think back then I was already, was I already doing that when you were my client? So Mm -hmm. you keep lists that reinforce these neural pathways and this neural circuitry. And eventually you'll have a completely different life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's clockwork. And, and we're not talking about that in our culture because then 
you know, the pharmaceutical industries would stop making money and the machine wouldn't function as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this when we attempted to record our first version of this podcast a few months ago, but like the vision that I had when we first started, like when we worked together was, you know, plants in my office. And like, I had all these, I don't, can't even remember what was in my vision then. I probably still have it, but, um, yeah, I think one of the, another powerful exercise that we did was really around like, uh, like really seeing your future self and who she is like this character description or this like visualization of who is this woman that you're becoming. And if we don't do that, then we just keep recreating the same reality that we have. That's it. You know, most people are living their lives. And I think, I don't know how you feel about this, but you'll, you'll let us know. I think, I think most people are living their lives in the way that they were brought up to live their lives, which is mostly that X, Y, and Z formula. So like, you know, go to college, get a good job or, you know, find a way of making a good living, meet a partner and people end up, you know, they, they call it a midlife crisis in our culture, but sometimes it happens way earlier. I think, especially now it happens way earlier where people are like, wait, what am I doing? Like, is this as good as it gets? And the reason I have people think about, you know, if you could be the dopest version of yourself, who would that be? Is because it actually gets them out of the box of who they think they are and thinking about, oh my God, I only have one shot. Well, we might have many shots, but as far as we know, we only have one shot in this lifetime and I'm squandering it by not actually consciously being that badass that I know I could be. And your vibe, your energy, your frequency, this is metaphysics now. We were in neuroscience and psychology, now we're in metaphysics. <laughs> your, your vibe attracts your life and attracts the people around you. So if you're giving off this humdrum vibe, you're going to have a humdrum life. If you're giving off this stoked, badass vibe, which oh my gosh, I see you doing every single time I see any piece of your content, mm. you're, then you're attracting that, that awesome, alive, badass life. Because as we know, again, quantum physics, metaphys- metaphysics, and it's all reflected in chemicals and psychology and neuroscience, you know, your ability to embody the vibe of the person that has the life you want and believe that it's coming are the two most important factors in manifestation period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And I think this is important. I have a question about this because I know that Joe Dispenza talks about this, about like your um, electromagnetic signature, right? So it's like, basically people think, oh, if I have one negative thought, then I'm going to create this like negative reality for myself. Right. And when we look at the internet and we have all everyone's life looks perfect all the time, then we're like, oh shit, like I can't create that if I have one negative thought. Right. So yeah, I'm curious for you to speak into that. What does that look like to like hold that vision and also be fucking human? (laughs) (laughs) This is such an epic question. Thank you so much for asking it. Um, Okay. So here is a little, a little piece of information that might change a lot of your lives. So the universe doesn't speak English. It doesn't speak pictures. It speaks vibration. So when you have a thought that you're worried about, like if I have a worry of like, oh my God, is this thing going to happen? You don't actually attract the thing that you're afraid of. You just attract more fear. Mm -hmm. 
you just attract more of the frequency that you had the worry in. It's not that you actually get that thing and thank God for that, or else we would all have some shit sandwiches on our hands, right? (laughs) (laughs) Shit storm. (laughs) Shit storm. So that's number one is you don't need to worry about having worries. That's human. We all have worries. And I think part of the reason this is very existential, but the part of the reason this universe is so dense is that if we all, like I said, if we all manifested all the crappy spheres that we had, I mean, God, we would, we'd all have, you know, been hit by 25 cars by now. We'd all have lost 25 jobs. Like it just, it doesn't work that way. So that's comforting news. Step one, step two is realizing the highlight real culture And I know we want to get into this even more after we talk about what we're talking about now, but it's like this highlight reel culture has made it even more so, even without the highlight reel culture, actually, let me just rewind. We live in a culture that does not normalize feelings. Feelings are something that are inconvenient, tremendously inconvenient, because again, they don't help foster the productivity and the consumerism. So we learn to just power through and feelings are actually so essential to us getting those lives we want because whenever you decide what it is you want to be and where you want to go, whatever is in the way, whatever trauma you have that's keeping those wires in your brain stuck to the old systems of functioning and attracting that old reality, they have to up-level and they have to change. And in order to change them, we have to look right at them and address them. And that involves holding ourselves while we heal whatever is keeping us in that old paradigm. So that we'll just use the example from before because it's convenient and we've already spoken about it. But that person who was told in fifth grade or kindergarten or whatever that nobody likes him, there's going to be a lot of pain attached to that belief, a lot of shame. And you can't change a belief without uprooting the old one first. And feeling crappy feeling negative when we look online and we see somebody who has the things we want and we don't have it yet, that is human. And the way to make that feeling go away is actually not to shove it down and look away from it, but is to be with it. So I always ask myself and I always tell my clients to ask themselves this sentence is, can I be with this? Can I be with this? And I put my hand over my heart and I close my eyes and I feel that pain so fully. And I know that it's, it's the little girl in me that's feeling that pain. It's not the adult. It's the, it's the piece that feels like she'll never be enough. And until we know how to be with those pieces, what happens is we keep resisting them. And from a metaphysical standpoint, what we resist persists vibrationally. You can't shove something down and not continue to attract it. It's like, I like, I made up this metaphor when I started coaching that you can't just put a clean pair of clothes over an old set of stinky, dirty ones and expect to smell great and be super attractive. That's just not going to happen. So feeling our feelings and feeling crappy and knowing we're not alone in it. I mean, that's loneliness's biggest trick is that it always wants us to feel alone. Our, our egos always want us to feel like we're the only ones going through it. And that's why that documentary, The Social Dilemma was so freaking powerful. Cause I think it, yeah, it just sheds so much light on how this highlight real culture is isolating people and having them think that they are the only ones who are feeling down, sad and bummed. Mm -hmm. and addicted to our phones. Like I was having this conversation (laughs) yesterday with my, with my business coach and we were talking about it. And I was like, 
damn, like we know that we're doing it. And it's like embarrassing because like, it feels like such a waste of time and energy and all of that, but we still do it. And like, we're in that yeah, loop. Really... We're caught in that loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're afraid. We're afraid to not do it, to be irrelevant or get left behind. Mm-hmm. And if we're being really real, Instagram punishes you, you know, the algorithm, mm-hmm. it's not Instagram, it's the algorithm that will, if you're not consistently on there, you know, your posts don't get seen as much. So it becomes this desperate race and we're in this rat wheel that we never even consented to being a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we get, how do we get out of the, the, like really looking at just having this highlight reel? Like, what do you, what do you see for women who are listening who maybe are coaches or healers or anyone who's freaking contributing to this machine of the algorithm? Like, what do you feel is, is the most supportive or the ways that we can really start to, um, and stay authentic, uh, to, to our truth in, in what we're sharing and posting? I love that question. And I can only really speak for myself because I haven't yet coached enough people who are facing the, or I don't, you know what? It's that, that this issue is becoming so present right now. And I think before it wasn't as present. So I haven't had so many questions about it, but I've been answering my own questions about it. And, and what I'm getting for me is that I was, I have been even though a huge part of my brand is sharing the ups and the downs and, and normalizing feelings, that's always been there. I'm realizing that my strategy for marketing was making it so that I wasn't just spontaneously sharing from the bottom of my heart and the depths of my soul anymore. There was more strategy going into it. And where I'm at with that is that I refuse to be a part of the problem. I won't do it anymore. So even if it means that I have four clients at a time instead of 10, I'm cool with that. If I know that I'm in full integrity with my soul, which has come here to help people feel better and not worse. So this is, this is actually the first time I'm talking about it. So Mm. for everyone listening, this is where I'm at personally. And I feel very privileged that I even get to be here because I've saved enough money and worked enough over time. But to me, from here on out, I'm, I'm just going to be sharing it like it is. And if that means that for some people that I'm, my rawness means that I'm not a qualified authority, then those are just not the people that I'm meant to work with. Mm-hmm. The people that gravitate towards my realness and the way that I vulnerably show up and share my own struggles and how I deal with them, or not even my own struggles per se, but my own inner process. Cause I don't think I, I definitely feel sad and I definitely have hard moments. I don't think I struggle anymore really mm-hmm. because of the systems that I use, but I'm going to share all of it and I'm going to take a leap of radical faith and just trust that, you know, the right people are going to show up and the ones that don't, I don't want to work with anyway. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? I'm curious to know how you feel about it too. Yeah. I mean, I think social media has been a journey for me as a business owner. At first I was fucking terrified and thinking I'm doing it all wrong. And like, you know, inconsistent, not showing up all, all the things, right. That was like beginning early days of my business. And I've always had an eye for aesthetics. I've always really loved, like, it feels good. It's not like I need it to look perfect. It's like, I actually really enjoy having something that looks really beautiful. Like that matters to me. Right. Um, so that's always been a through line and, then 
then I definitely have gone through many iterations of my business, worked with many different business coaches and like definitely fell into and not fell into. It's been an integral part of me growing my business, but understanding strategy, understanding language, understanding marketing, understanding messaging. And there was a lot of conflict for me because a lot of times that it was like not really speaking exactly how I would say it yet the thing that's really powerful is when I say it in the words of the people that are listening and in the way that they're thinking about it, it'll, it's like the doorway to actually doing the work that I want to teach anyways. So I did have a lot of inner conflict around this of like, okay, well it's messaging and we get to be smart business people. We get to be smart messengers, marketers, et cetera, because we're in the business of transformation. And if we're not good at those pieces, then we don't get to create transformation. And 10 out of 10, anytime I see something that's raw, authentic, vulnerable, anytime I post like that's not like planned out or mapped out, like it even just feels different for me. Even if I get less likes, but it's something authentic that I post that feels really good. I feel like I got more likes or it feels more fulfilling for me. I'm like, oh yeah, that feels really good because it feels more connected, right? And that's really what we're all looking for is more connection. And I have no doubt, Molly, and I appreciate you bringing this conversation that, that this is actually what makes you stand out and makes you more money. Like, I don't think that it has to be either or. Like I get to be really authentic and raw and real and then I don't get the right, then I don't get make money. I think it's the opposite, but when we come at it from this place, I think this is what does set you apart from just people who are heard this the other day on a podcast, like people who are great marketers, like there's really good coaches and there's really good marketers and you get to be, you know, figuring out what camp you're in because I'm, I'm on your team. I'm here to be in service and to make a difference. And, and I know that a lot of people are, um, and, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, interesting online world we live in. You know what? I, now that you're talking about it like that, I think there are some people that get to be fully fledged, both like money coaches, for example, like they're trying to teach other people how to be great marketers. Like it's almost like the medium is the message. They can be writing from that marketing standpoint with like fear tactics or whatever else, you know, we learn copy tactics. Um, I think for me, it's because my brand is so much about normalizing feelings Mm -hmm. that it almost is like kind of, I can still do it a bit and feel in flow and feel authentic. And I think everyone's journey with this is just going to be so different. And I also think, um, that not attaching like not the least. Okay. So, so attaching to something means you have lack around it, right? Cause if you really need it, need, when you say I need, even when you say I want, what you're really saying is I lack, I don't have it yet. And, you know, not needing Instagram to be that thing creates a lot of room for a lot of success on that platform. I will say that, you know, just pulling the fuck it card. And it's not the only arena that I think it's great to pull the fuck it card in, but you know, that it's a pretty good one. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good tool to have in your back pocket. Yeah. I actually think it's like brilliant to not have Instagram as your only source of marketing and your only source place where like, Oh, if I don't do this and I'm not going to get clients, like we are vibrational beings. We are energetic beings. Like there's so much more than just what we're posting that's actually being transmitted. And there's so many other ways that we can create that. And so, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how things shift as 
I mean, the algorithm continues to shift, but I, I feel like uh, it's funny because Nolan and I, we talk about, um, he talks about um, AI and I don't really know much about AI. And I'm like, always just like, no, there's no way that they, they, we just, there's certain things that cannot be replaced by AI, like artificial intelligence. Like it's literally human to human connection, making a difference in someone's life. Like doing this, like it can't be replaced. It can't be automated. There's a lot of things that can. So yeah, I think I feel really grateful to to be able to contribute and I feel grateful to have you here on this platform in a way where we can have these real authentic conversations and let people in on the back end to see what's really happening, even just like a glimpse today. And yeah, I've had like a lot of fun just really dropping in. I feel like we could talk for all day, all year. <laughs> <laughs> we totally, totally could. I feel the same way. It's so refreshing to just jump on and just talk about what's present. And I'm so grateful for you and so grateful that we got this to work internet wise. And yeah. um, just thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing. And to everybody listening, um, thank you for your time and your attention. It's the most precious currency that you have and we don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And I know that Molly has plenty more incredibly informational, educational videos on YouTube and she's super inspiring on Instagram. So where can they find you, Molly? So my Instagram is I am Molly Joseph. So, uh, you know, what is that at symbol even called? It's the handle. I am Molly Joseph. <laughs> and uh, is there an actual, it's an at symbol. At, is there an actual, at, yeah. Yeah. At Mo- yeah, at I am Molly Joseph. And then my website is I am Molly Joseph.com. And you can get um, all of my offerings there as well as that meditation that mm-hmm. is free that Amy and I were talking about in the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. And subscribe to her YouTube channel. She shares dope stuff all the time. So thanks for sharing. Thank you for being such a beautiful light in my life and in the life of many others. And I'm excited to see everything that you continue to create in this world. So thank you. I love you. Same here, babe. Love you. See you guys. Bye everyone. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Feminine Frequency Podcast with Molly Joseph. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot, share it on social media. You can tag myself and Molly. We would both love to hear from you and hear about your takeaways. So come on over and connect to us over there. And I look forward to connecting with you. If you join me this weekend for Activate Your Money Codes, you can find the link to sign up for this free two-hour workshop that I'm hosting on Sunday, November. November 8th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's going to be super powerful. I'm bringing all of my magic and sharing my money codes with you so that you can really feel empowered and confident in this area of your life. So again, you can go to the link in the show notes or go to my website, amynatalieco.com slash money codes, and you can register for free there. Have a beautiful day. Bye.